0: When you hear people talk about relationships in business, you probably do one of two things. You sit there and go, yeah, yeah, I've heard that a thousand times. Or you perk up and listen because you have belief in the true benefit that relationships can have in opening opportunities and doors that you may have not even realized could open. Our next guest, Lou Jury, is a great example of where a willingness to embrace the presence of other talented
1: individuals can take you. Lou successfully founded and exited two businesses in his time, including leading web design, app development and digital agency Alfresco in 2006, followed by his successful development and sale of digital marketing agency Reload Group to Heidi Grant Media in 2022. Now, Lou puts his time into his role as founder and executive chairman of Sprint Ventures, a venture capital firm based out of Brisbane. With a minimal track record in funds management prior to starting Sprint, Lou has developed the VC into a highly respected presence in the Australian venture capital landscape.
0: How has he managed to do this, you might ask? One word that drives private markets more than interest rates, inflation and PE ratios combined.
1: Relationships. Hello and welcome back to The Business Of. I'm Will. And I'm Charlie. On today's podcast, we unpack with Lou the considerations for any business that is going through global expansion, the art of managing an exit process, and we get an insight into what Lou looks for when investing in a business. We hope you enjoy. And by Lou Jerry. Lou, how are you?
2: Great. Great to be here, lads. Yeah,
1: awesome. Thanks for coming on. Um, so, we might start out hearing about, so, the development of Alfresco. So, yep. you obviously had an extensive background in, in digital marketing, web design, and app development, arguably before it was cool. Um, so, do you want to talk about that and then the eventual... Um, take over by ASX listed STW group in 2006. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it
2: sounds very easy, doesn't it? <laughs> seven years to the day. Yes, look, thanks yeah. for hosting me today. It's wonderful to be no, here no. And, and talking to all your listeners. Uh, and a big shout-out as well to my son, um, who's uh, an avid listener of this. Uh, oh, no, way! Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, That's So, hi to and all his mates who I believe are going to listen as well. So, <laughs> look, um, my background is, that goes back, uh, Will, to about 99. I set up a yep. company called Alfresco with my brother uh, in Carmody oh, wow. Road in St. Lucia. Uh, and it was in a share house, uh, and uh, <laughs> it was our first foray. There was probably slightly more people in that house than uh, legally needed to be. <laughs> but, um, what we did was set up this business called Alfresco. And What we identified in early 99 was it was very nascent in terms of web and technology and and there was only a couple of app developers and web designers around uh, in the Queensland ecosystem. So what we did, we set up our fresco, we did um, uh, a lot of websites and a lot of um, surveys and a lot of um, applications uh, for mining companies and and things like that Uh, and then um, we, we sold that company. Um, predominantly because we wanted to, um, you know, um, exercise the opportunity uh, to a, a consortium that was leading that to STW Group, who at mm. the time were buying a lot of companies, um, yeah. you know, they had about 80 or 90 companies. So Jeez. we thought we'd, yeah. um, Al would go and do his PhD, my brother at UQ um, in organisational psych and, and, uh, and I, would, uh, I would go and um, do some consulting and things like that. So yeah. that was my first foray into how I got into Reload a bit later on. Uh, and when you sell from an ASX uh, consortium, you normally have a bit of restraint. So I had a two-year restraint clause. So yeah. I did yeah. some consulting from 06, 07, yeah. um, and then got into Reload. Yeah, because, yeah,
0: look, to many people, the success of building and successfully exiting one business is more than enough stress and, uh, <laughs> and hard work. But, yeah, getting straight into Reload, was that just the entrepreneurial flair in, in you?
2: Yeah, I was living in Indooroopilly at the time, and it was about two years into that restraint period. And... I went for a run one night down through uh, around Turinga Rovers there, and, and, oh, yeah. um, and I was running those little hills, and, and, uh, and I thought, gee, there's this, there's this massive untapped market of uh, search engine optimization. So Jesus. all my mates, all yeah, my... What a thought to have on your own. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. more,
0: more worried about trying to make it to the end. Yeah. So, so
2: I thought, there's got to be an opportunity here. A lot of my mates were still doing websites, so all my competitors, so the top 10 web design companies, and there's still a few going today. We're all my competitors, but they're all mates. And that, and that's the thing that yeah. probably people don't realise, is yeah, you, you can be in competition, but you're all, <laughs> you're all uh, familiar and you all go for lunches and all that sort of thing. So I, rang, I sort of thought of this thing called Reload, and I rang them all and said, look, I'm not doing web anymore, I've done my exit. If, if, you, if you were to build a website, and then give it to us, and we got it to number one on Google for your customers, Um, what Uh, do you think would happen? So I did some interviews with about 10 of them. They all said, that's an awesome idea. Uh, We trust you. You're not a competitor anymore, uh, so we're (laughs) going to give you all the SEO work uh, around town. Back then, I was the only one. So we we sort of commercialised search, and then a bit later on, Google AdWords and performance and media buying and all that sort of thing. Yeah! Wow! Yeah,
1: so there was no one, no one else doing the search engine. Not, not professionally. Yeah, really? it was a bit
2: of a dark arts. People in their darkened bedrooms listen to Marilyn yeah. Manson sort of loud <laughs> heavy metal music, and you know that was SEO, right? So, so basically, what we did was we decided to um, really put the suit and tie on and go and see corporates who. Wanted to start uh, back in 06, 08 actually 06. they wanted to start ranking number one for their search terms yeah, for like sure. you know account in Brisbane or financial yeah, yeah. Planner of Brisbane or whatever everybody wanted to rank number one so mm. back then um, you could change one title tag and do a few things and go to bed and wake up the next morning morning and be ranking number one on Google so it was very out. nascent a very early days of that and it was yeah. good fun um, and we uh, I've got a chap on who's now the managing director over in Milton um, um, called Craig Craig Somerville he was at Emmanuel College he was nineteen years yeah. old and um, the rest is history because him and I became the co-founders and, and and away we went and set up international companies and then sold it last year. Geez yeah, and, wow.
0: and we'll, we will talk to that uh, process around selling and exiting a yeah, sure. business. I suppose many founders probably will they all aim to probably get to that point at some at some stage and when they go through it it's often uncharted waters. What would you say um, were some of the key experiences you took away from exiting firstly Alfresco, and then reload? Slightly different experiences. I yeah, think. slightly different
2: one. Mm. I mean, the, the whole, um, I suppose, theme throughout of it was, was people. Um, you know, you, you're not going to do an exit if you don't have great people. Mm. And people are everything towards building businesses. You, yeah. can't, you can't do everything yourself. Mm. Uh, and you need to surround yourself with people that do all the things that you're probably no good at. And I think the, the mm. thing between the two businesses, Charlie, was that I learned a lot in that first company about what I was probably not good at. Yeah. Um, and I was good, great at the ideas, I was the entrepreneur, but yeah. I needed ca- people to come in and do the execution. And, yeah. and in a bi- actually in a start-up and a more sustainable scale-up, you need really good people that, that uh, help you out and don't get distracted by... You know, new features and, and shiny <laughs> new yeah, lights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm always having big thoughts. Everybody probably listening who knows me will say, that's exactly Lou. And I'm always thinking about the next thing and, and, and how we can improve and, and ideas and, and things like that. And I mm. think that you need actually people so behind you to actually um, implement it. And that was Craig. Um, And, um, you know, I learned that from the two different businesses. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Very interesting. And Mm -hmm. we'll continue on with the whole people theme. I think, I think that's massive um, in terms of probably startups and then even in larger organizations, they can very quickly, very quickly fall without, (laughs) without the right people in place. I suppose when you're looking at uh, potential businesses coming through, um, how do you identify good people, I guess, because it's Mm -hmm. it's not something you can really, I don't know, you can quantify it as such. Do you know what I mean?
2: Well, I'll be pretty brutal here, and and we're pretty, you know, we're in 2023 now, and and everybody listens to a lot of podcasts. was a term I heard um, that's, um, you know, hire slowly and fire fast. Yeah. Um, You know, really, it's like dating, you know, go and get to know (laughs) the person. Um, You know, if you've got a really critical person to come into, um, you know, your business, and they're going to become a key uh, executive or, you know, co-founder even of your company, you need to make sure that... You know, you you know who they are as humans. Yeah, and I think so. Hire slowly, but then yeah. if it's not working out, look, just mm. rip the band aid and say, look, it's not working. Let's uh, move on here, and, and you know, try and get it done before any equity or ESOPs or any yeah. interests are actually created. Um, yeah. look, when I say that, that's I'm talking about co-founders. But yeah. the same applies to staff, and you don't want to be hiring too many staff because. Um, you know, you're going to be distracted from customer acquisition and growing internationally and all those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah. Another thing you have a big background in, um, Lou, is taking businesses global. Um, and so can you speak about some of those considerations and what you do to encourage founders um, and what steps you should, like, they should take when, you, when they look to take their business into the foreign markets? Yeah. Well, I think everybody should. Well, really? I yeah. think everybody
2: should be looking globally. We're, we're 2% of, you know, roughly yeah. the global economy. Mm. Prove it up in this backyard, which is the best place on earth to to prove it up uh, you know especially in brisbane in queensland where yeah. we 've got the, like the the next silicon valley it is is already happening it 's mm. right here um, Get it right in Australia now the second point there is you can get it right in from a place like Brisbane, if not Sydney Melbourne, and all over australia there 's some great hubs mm. um, and immediately think global uh, yeah. think global expansion that 's what I did so you know, we set up in 2008 Reload Media. Yeah. By 2010, we'd expanded into, um, we'd been in Auckland, we expanded into New Zealand, and we expanded into London. Uh, mm-hmm. And we thought globally, because you can service from, it, no, no matter where you live in Australia, you can service uh, the Australian market from here. Uh, mm-hmm. You can jump on yeah. a plane from Brisbane to Sydney, you're in one hour, to, to Melbourne, two hours, et cetera. And it doesn't matter where you are. You, so I would be looking to expand internationally, yeah. rather than set up, uh, offices throughout Australia. Uh, I don't, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, if your ambition is to do that, that's great. But I'm very much um, Australians are well embraced overseas. Our hunger and entrepreneurial spirit mm. is very well embraced. So always be thinking globally when you set up. Yeah, yeah. it's really
0: interesting to because I don't know. I Thinking myself, if I was to start a business, it's probably not the first thing you always think of. It's always, all oh, right, let's get my first customer in Australia, which is hundred percent important. But then, as you say, always adopting, and it's probably your greatest skill set, is that longer term, that longer term understanding of where are we actually trying to get to. Yes. And I guess when when you take a business overseas. Um, what were some of the challenges I, or opportunities you found I guess with Alfresco and um, Reload?
2: Yeah so it was mainly mm. Reload that we took overseas and I think yep. like, uh, you need to spend a lot of time on the ground there, yeah. you need to have uh, probably two things, one is someone there that is uh, brought into your organisation both maybe it's family or it's uh, you know a friend or someone that you really trust uh, that was uh, the UK with Cara my sister-in-law who became our general manager and the founder over there for five years Yeah, wow. Uh, and then that that allowed Craig to then do trips over and myself to do trips over uh, to build that up it's harder than it thinks you need to move over there pretty much if if you're going to do that that's the UK Asia's a bit different we had a really good trusted advisor up in the Philippines in Manila uh, Mm. and he lived there with his Filipino wife and he became a real confidant and a real trusted advisor to our business, and it allowed us to set up in that in that market. Mm. So I think you, you you need to be prepared for a lot of travel, yeah. uh, and expenses, and the foreign exchange swap. Everybody needs yeah. to understand that. For example, at the moment with the US dollar, yeah. uh, the movements and mm. the pounds, you know, very low in terms of the Aussie dollar. it, it, it it's very difficult to. Uh, you know, take Aussie dollars yeah. uh, and then go over there if you're only getting, you know, high, yeah. you know, <laughs> if you yeah. go to the UK. So you want to be domiciled there as quick as you can. You want to be set mm. up as quick as you can. The other final tip I would give is become a... Try and be a satellite office first yeah. so you're not a director in those countries yeah. until you're actually more mature. But then that has its limitations. For example, if you try and set up in the UK and you only have... Uh, directors that are in Australia it's very hard to open a bank account over there yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. these little things that are hidden but yeah. yeah try it out see how you go but you probably need to be prepared if it's going gangbusters to move to that country
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. there you go and that's that comes back to the commitment that you need to be a founder isn't correct. it correct yeah,
2: yeah you yeah, just yeah. need to get on a plane and, and go for Let's it get, get uh, yeah you
1: um, spoke briefly there about um, Manila do you have any views on taking a business into other emerging markets and
2: stuff like that? I'm a big fan of it. Look, yeah. We went to India first. Yeah. yeah. And then Massive. that didn't really, it was huge. And, and that yeah. we went there because of the emerging market. But yeah. for us, it just didn't work out because uh, they were more tech focused. The Bangalore's, the yeah, IT, right. yeah. all of that sort of world. So we moved that to Manila, which is an emerging marketing yeah, search yeah. and digital marketing. And that's, uh, you've got to go, so the, the the answer there is, well, you've got to go where the market is and yeah, right. and the people that, uh, are going to be doing the work for you uh, with the very best qualifications yeah, yeah. Uh, are going to be located. Look, the other piece is uh, the English is a second language, making mm. sure that in, in, the, in mm. the Philippines, 75 to 80% are actually US university trained, um, oh, wow. and uh, they've got degrees and they've got masters generally wow. to do SEO and pay-per-click and digital marketing. So you're get, yeah. getting seriously great quality candidates to support your back office. Yeah. And basically, to answer your question, well, we actually then set up Manila as our uh, our office in Asia yeah. rather than Singapore, Hong Kong, mm. because of our background in digital marketing. But then they started picking up clients in Singapore uh, from yeah, the Manila right. office because yeah. the caliber of people in our Manila office was so good. So yeah. that's an example of a developing country over ten years really starting yeah. to compete with um, you know traditional hubs. Mm. Yeah,
0: for sure. And I guess coming through from an investment point of view, have you ever invested? I guess in a business mm. that's not that didn't start in Australia. Yeah. What's that process like? Yeah, it's very interesting. I, yeah. When I was
2: reading your questions, I was having a good thing about it. It was actually yeah. in Manila, back to Manila. And <laughs> we invested in um, a property play uh, and well um, basically uh, we invested in uh, the floor of a, an outsourced um, organisation yeah. uh, and um, that 8 for us so we got oh, 8 man. times our money back as sort of a seed investor uh, and that was really cool in terms of uh, you know giving us an exploration on how they do business in that country yeah. uh, and how you have to have different legals pr- prepared and uh, how you transfer money and all of the different things so yeah. you know it's not just like here it's very easy and seamless here mm. with contracts and, and yeah. you know money and, and, and the flow so yeah. uh, be prepared for differentials there the other one was India of course we set up as directors in that country uh, and it did take many many years <laughs> to not be a director in the in a country oh, like India oh, because really? I suppose more red tape. Um, no. more, more things you're got to go through different um, cities to actually uncouple you if you want to not become a director in those companies. So it has to be horses for courses in terms of if you're going to become a director or you're going to set up or you're going to invest Local dollars in those those countries really know the market you're going into. Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. And I guess moving moving forward into into probably what I find your most exciting venture at the moment, as mm. in Sprint. Yeah. Um, I suppose. Can you give us a bit of an insight as to how that formed? Um. And yeah, what Sprint do?
2: Yeah. So, thanks, Charlie. So, Sprint Ventures is uh, an early stage venture capital firm. Currently we've got two funds, we'll be doing a third fund at the end of this year, Yeah, wow. and obviously. we've got 18 companies in our portfolio, and Early Stage Venture uh, is a passion of mine. Uh, it, it started from two things. One was, uh, you know, in 2015 I actually invested as an angel investor in a company uh, through a mate of mine, and, and um, I owned 1.3% of it, uh, right. and it, and it cost the, the equivalent of a year's worth of school fees. Uh, and I dusted that in about six months, uh, and it was about portfolio risk and construction risk and, and market risk. and. Uh, and I, 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 it taught me back in twenty fifteen that that you shouldn't be just spraying and praying with a lot of bets. That there's just singular bets, and you've got then market forces and market risk that's actually going to uh, you know cause a problem for that company, and you're and you exposed and you dust your money. Yeah. So I thought there's got to be a better way. Twenty eighteen, uh, there's three, uh, four of us. Uh, including myself, four mates got together, and we're all from different backgrounds. And they're the four founders of Sprint. Yeah. Uh, and we basically built our mandate around that, and th- thought instead of you know going out there and doing angel investing and yeah. that spray and pray sort of approach, yeah. we we really need to uh, consolidate our uh, and, and pull our funds, mm. build a great mandate, get great people around us, yeah. and and let's go invest in the truly generational companies. Mm. And we started that in early 2020, about three weeks before COVID hit and we uh, we basically opened up our first seed fund and that was a bit of a trial that didn't have an AFSL because there's a little thing under ASIC of course uh, up to 20 investors you don't have to have an oh, AFSL really? yeah, yep. yeah. Oh, so. so you can you can actually it can be 16 plus the four of us but we had to cornerstone lp that ourselves yeah and we had to back in you know what we were doing so that was approving it up because yeah. up until 20 investors you can do that and so we then thought right well let's get this you know that did pretty well we closed it out with 16 investors and there was good demand oh wow and that that fund just closed out last year uh with 15 companies it's now got uh you know a five to seven year mature maturation date yeah because uh, you normally have about two years to invest it's got some great companies in there <clears throat> and then we set up uh in 2021 the start of the expansion capital fund yeah which is what venture is about it's about following on funding for the truly great companies yeah, yeah. so sprint started in um it, you know in COVID, it then moved to river city labs uh, and max Meyer and i helped set that up max has gone on to blackbird which is um really good for him and mm. we've then basically built our team out around us yeah and um you know really the the mantra and the mandate of Sprint Ventures is about stick to your knitting. Uh, you know, build uh, in, and invest co- in companies that uh, that you know and have deep thematic expertise in. Yeah. yeah. So, for example, we've got health and aging, and and um, sports tech, uh, AI and automation, fintech and e-commerce, and the yeah. infrastructure and energy and property. Mm, and yeah. they're the four founders of Sprint. So we invest in the four you know thematics that are really important. I actually think they're four really important thematics for Australia and, and the globe as well. Mm, yeah, Post COVID, sure. for aging. And health tech. We've got the Olympics coming here in Queensland. Yeah. Uh, and property is always a big thing. Uh, and so prop tech and yeah. infrastructure and water and things like that are really important. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah.
1: Can you speak to, um, obviously, the Sprint Ventures um, slogan, founders first? Mm. Can you speak to that for a bit as well? Yeah.
2: Yes, that comes from being an entrepreneur in residence at River City Labs. And yeah. um, what happens is... There's a bit of a uh, you know a cycle of investing with accelerators, and there's a bit of hot air that gets pumped into the market often, and we saw that in 2020, 2020, and 2021, and mm. a little bit of early 2022. Mm. And that's when we heard about all those valuations going up and companies doing you know two hours DD on on <laughs> on firms, and, uh, and it just was you know, it was quite frothy. Yeah. And the founder is the one that actually gets left out, mm. uh, and th- th- so that's the first part of founders first, making sure the founders protected from a sustainability level, Mm. from a funding level, uh, all the way through. The second piece is around, if you place a truly great founder with a generational idea or a generational company, uh, and you support them with not just financial capital, but social capital, network capital, experiential capital, Mm. um, and different forms of capital, mentorship, uh, what, what's going to happen is they're going to have the best crack at actually growing generational companies. Yeah, yeah. And that's really important. So in Australia, it's about relationships and, and taking those founders through that life cycle. And so we place founders first to provide that alpha return to our investors.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I that's guess from the Sprint portfolio, there's a whole lot of companies that, that you could mention today. And I guess Will and I have taken that out of your hands and picked two that we are really quite, <laughs> yeah. really quite, really quite <laughs> interested in. <laughs> Um, so we'll get started with Osbys. Yes. Um, so for those who don't know, um, the great David Kosh from Sunrise is, <laughs> is involved in this. But I'll let you speak to it, Luke. Can you sure. talk us through the, uh, the that investment?
2: Yeah. So in our first fund, we have got Osby's Kylie Merritt, and David Kosh. Koshy of course has just left Sunrise, he's now come across full time and all. He's, uh, good, he's doing a bit of um, you know family time and things like that with um, and, and and pinstripe with AJ, his son. Yeah. But. It's a really important uh, mechanism for... It's not part of the, the original media landscape of uh, Australia with, you know, the Fairfaxes, the Murdochs and, and things like that and oh, all no. the te- television. As we know, there's not a lot of Gen Z, Gen Y and, and you know... Um, Younger people watching uh, terrestrial television, <laughs> no. and if you ask any Charlie, of them, Charlie loves British air television. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely awesome of <laughs> <laughs> but, so you know anything with golf and tennis and sport, exactly. and that, you know, and, and cricket, of course. But yeah. the, the big thing is, this is a platform for business, and it's a platform that came out of uh, your money, and it came out of Sky Business, and then and that's where they've all uh, connected over the years, Kylie, mm-hmm. uh, and they've got a lot of deep connections into mentors and networks and advisors. Uh, and it's, uh, there's a lot of exciting things going to happen with Ausbiz and mm. the reason why we invested was because some of the IP they're building yeah. which is incredibly exciting and not just for Sprint but for the whole financial services market uh, and also for their international expansion opportunity yeah. uh, mm. because the, the, the way it was described to me was if you go to a, um, you know, a standard television studio there's 30 people there mm. pushing the buttons and you know running the cameras and doing all of that they can do it with two people. Yeah. And I've been to Barangaroo and I've been to their offices many times. There's a person sitting outside. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, uh, a presenter at the desk with about 15 buttons and they can run the whole thing yeah. with two people. Yeah. And yeah. that, to me, is the new media play. So and it's fun. more of an IP play. And that's why we invested. It's, a, yeah. it's actually an IP, IP play in the new tech landscape. Yeah. Yeah. And we're very excited. Yeah, for right.
0: sure. And moving through to this, uh, the second one uh, that I've pr- sort of followed a little bit myself uh, yes. in recent years, Paper Plane. Yes. Mm. Can you speak to um, they've, Simone. they've been yeah. Yeah, well, like they've been in the in the I think AFR at one point, were they? Or, yeah, or, a lot. Yeah. yeah so, Like they were.
2: Simone's awesome. I've known Simone for about nine years, and um, she's had various ventures, but a truly great founder, like many of our founders, they're, they they really have a clear vision. Uh, yeah. Simone's just moving to upstate New York because that's where wow. the banks are of course in, in New York. And mm. uh, Paper Plane is the new payment platform and payment rails for not only Australia but the world. We're actually a world leader in, in payments. Uh, and when, when we talk about payments, we're not talking about afterpay or you know, anything going through a shopping cart. What we're talking about mm. here is instant payments. And the way that, that Simone describes it to us is, you know, if, if you do a transfer at 6.01pm on a Friday, you know from business to business you might get that payment at 9am on the Monday yeah. so you miss it over the weekend yeah, yeah. Uh, this will be instantaneous wow. between a business so it's called pay two it was mandated by the Reserve Bank uh, and it was meant to actually be implemented in April this year in April 23 but the so the big four have kicked the can down the road <laughs> in terms of implementing because it's just so hard to implement the legacy systems within yeah, banking yeah, uh, and right. so they're so they're working with it uh, she Simone and the team are rapidly expanding as i said internationally because we're world leaders in payments and platforms and Mm. uh, Simone is taking this technology internationally and we were lucky enough to co-invest uh, as the only VC fund in Australia yeah. uh, alongside QIC MasterCard Cusco <laughs> uh, and it was Sprint VC uh, yeah, and uh, awesome. and that was a great round to participate in uh, but again the reason why she's come on board uh, with Sprint VC and others is because of the, the value back that we can help provide mm. with go to markets and the like
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah with that social capital network Correct. capital yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Um, if we can just rewind back a touch Lou so obviously was um, so you know, much less available information in the private markets than there is in the public how do you even go about finding these opportunities in the first place? Is it just through networks and stuff? Or yeah, 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 it is well it,
2: yeah. it, once you get a bit of a brand in the private markets, yeah. there's, there's two things here uh, to be aware of one is you're, you're not under the auspices and, the, and I suppose some of that ASX regulation yeah. of being in the public domain, yeah. you're not distracted by having to do red tape and yeah, compliance yeah. and reporting yeah. if anything happens so that's the first thing Um, So we build up these great networks uh, within the brand and the ecosystem. And, and, And you really, there's not many VCs here Uh, in Australia, especially Mm. not here in Brisbane and Queensland. We're one of the only funds uh, Mm. that are actually running here. So, you know, we're often the go-to, the first port of call. Uh, And the ones that actually get over the line, uh, we already have a relationship with, generally. uh, There's a few that have come through the forms and things like that. We encourage everybody to apply through the forms. But the big tip there is, uh, in private markets, you've got to build a relationship. And it's not just with myself. It's with Tristan in my office. It's with Georgia, our managing partner. It's with Heath and Ben and Michael Drew, our You know, our directors and things like that because they also are part of that deal funnel Mm, Uh, and they're also checking you out as well. So if you're a startup founder, you've got to build networks across different parts of of the venture and the investing space. Um, The second piece to understand is that in the private markets, especially in venture, there's about 100 to 110 VCs in Australia. And we all get together a couple of times a year. It's called venture capital down under. And this year we're going to Queenstown uh, and we have intensive workshops basically to get to know each other. We go skiing together, we do all these things together uh, (laughs) and uh, we do workshops because of collaboration. And most deals will collaborate on. It's the opposite to what everybody thinks, where it's Mm, my deal, I'm going to keep it, I'm a competitor, you can't have it. All of that sort of thing. It's nothing like that sort of side of uh, maybe the advisory market, yeah. where it's my deal and I'm going to I'm going to run this. Hmm. It's actually we come and invest together yeah. and we use their DD papers. And sometimes you might need to redact some private stuff, but I'll get a thirty page DD paper from another VC and I'll happily send a redacted or adapted thirty page document yeah. to them yeah. because it speeds up the decision making, especially if they're leading that deal. Yeah, and right. three of us might come in and we're sharing and collaborating on that information. And that's a really important thing to know. So you know, probably the tip there is don't burn any VCs because we're all <laughs> talking on an hour. <laughs> we're all on WhatsApp together and we're all going to hang out uh, at, uh, at various things together we all know each other it's very small uh, yeah, and right. then the other piece to that is the international VCs so we do have connectivity into your series a your series b your rounds yeah. to take you global so mm. just be just be aware in our little world of alternatives in private Um, in VC that's how it works yeah yeah. makes Um, sense another thing
1: I wanted to ask about as well is the whole raising capital piece so I think obviously if we rewind again those first 16 investors you had How'd you convince them to to back you guys? Yeah, yeah. minimal track record. Yeah, 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 exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I think your track record is your the, the yarn on the back, you know, yeah. uh, that you walk around with. It's whether you can walk down one of the streets here in Brisbane City and hold your head high <laughs> and uh, you know and, and be trusted. I think yeah. your reputation precedes you. Mm. Uh, and each one of those was, uh, you know, I, I didn't know some of them, but one of the four of us all knew at least one of those. Yeah, and and yeah. brought them in and. and They trusted us to get started and Mm. said, we want a seat at the table next time. And over 60% have come across into the next fund because they want to be LPs. And that's a great way Mm. of investing, especially if you're a family office or a high net worth or an investor, uh, you want to have access to these special private deals Mm. from from fund managers and people that you trust. So Mm. it was all about trust and uh, it's all really important that um, you've got to have a track record. Uh, My track record, uh, there's two track records in, in VC. One is entrepreneur track record, and the other is a commercial track record. Yeah. And so you could be a great trader, you could be a great accountant, you could be a great advisor. That's the sort of the commercial or a solicitor. That's yeah. one, one side. Yeah. Uh, and then the other side, the yin and yang. If you want to couple both of those together, is an entrepreneur who's actually had two exits like I have. Yeah. Uh, and so you bring those two together, and you, I think you've got a really good solid VC firm.
0: Yeah, wow. All right. Well, sure. Lou, one of the final questions we like to ask our guests is, um, "What advice would
2: you give to a twenty-year-old version of yourself?" I had a good, good think about this one, Charlie. And, uh, this was a really good one. I, I wound way back into the depths of what I was doing at twenty, uh, and I was at the ANU actually, and I just returned from a year abroad. <clears throat> um, I, I'd done a, a gap year over there in the UK. was nice. the best thing I had done, and I, I rocked mm. into the ANU, and. Uh, I think, like everybody at 20, um, you probably beat yourself up a bit too much about mm-hmm. putting too much pressure on you, yourself to uh, deliver very quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. the advice is um, you know, make sure that um, uh, you take your time to think about where you're going, what you're doing, uh, the people that you want to surround yourself with, uh, and everything will work itself out. Yeah.
1: Thank it's a great great note to end on. Well, thanks for your time today, Lou. We really, really appreciate it. Um, it's been a great, great. chat. And you had to be able to speak to someone in the VC space is... Definitely a bucket list item for us. So thank you um, very much. Ah, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Great Thanks
2: to partner with both you today and have a chat. It's been yeah. awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Lou. Appreciate it.
1: Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Business of. If you enjoyed the show, please consider rating and following us on your chosen podcast platform, LinkedIn and Instagram, as it helps others find us.